Coffee. Well, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming to Journey. We call this place Journey the Church, not because we think we are the greatest church, but we are a church that focuses on the kingdom of God. If you're new, a special welcome. We ask you, no matter what, take our mission. God gave us a mission almost six years ago in a backyard to go out that this community, and I'm not talking about just Camarillo, I'm talking uh, Thousand Oaks, Westlake, all the way to Santa Barbara needs love. We're just lacking love and that fatherly love. And that's really the mantle of this church. That's really the call that God has given us. And because of that, he continues to grow us in, in great and amazing ways. So take our mission, even if you decide never to come back, and that's okay. There's good churches out there. This is just one of many. And hopefully you'll consider it a good church as well. So happy Father's Day. Uh, I think Jeff Foss got mine because it says diet. Uh, I'll probably exchange it back there to get the real one. But we're so excited about Father's Day because there's something about fathers that I want to share for a moment. I want you to think about fathers and Father's Day. And I want to change your mindset. Because I was praying this week. I'm like, what are we going to do for Father's Day that makes sense? And, and God said, when people think of fathers and Father's Day, we should think of forgiveness. Think about, as a father, I've made many mistakes. I've, I've made horrific mistakes. But all I've been receiving is forgiveness from my family, right? I've, I've made mistakes that have changed the course of my family. And I've also done good things. So we need to forgive our fathers. We're just humans. We're just flawed individuals. But beyond that, we have a Father in Heaven who constantly forgives us, man and woman. And so we should think of Father's Day as a day of forgiveness because we can be forgiven. And today, obviously, we're going to talk about forgiveness every couple times a year. A couple times a year, we like to talk about forgiveness because it's powerful. And it's something that we need to grab a hold of. So I want you to think of forgiveness, but I want you to think of this mindset of infinite forgiveness. Because I think that's really where we're going to go with the message today. At least I hope it is. Sometimes I kind of get sideways on my own talk. But uh, today we're going to continue on this series called Parables. All, this, all summer we are going to teach parables. And we're going to have at least four different teachers up here this summer teaching parables. Randy and Odell. Jeremy who's playing bass today. Jeremy can do anything. Except Smashball. Have you seen him play Smashball? A little shaky on Smashball, but other than that, he's pretty good. Here's what a parable is. A parable is an illustration. It's a story that we use to teach, that Jesus used to teach, and he would use everyday language. If I told you, foster, freeze, and an and a, 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 um, ice cream sundae or something, everybody go, oh, yeah, I know what that is. That's today's language. We can understand that. Jesus did the same thing. And there's a moment where Jesus changes the course of how he teaches, and that comes in Matthew 13. It's called the parable discourse or the parable teachings. And in Matthew 13, all of a sudden, he just starts rolling off a bunch of parables to the uh, dismay of his, his followers. They're like, what are you doing? And he says, I'm teaching in parables now. And he was doing it not to be a divider, but he's doing it to bring people together. And wanting people that don't understand the parables to ask, Lord, what are you really trying to say? Our memory verse for this summer, and it's going to be very impactful. It says, Matthew uh, thirteen thirty-five. Here's what the memory verse says. I will speak to you in parables. This is Jesus talking. And I will explain things hidden since the creation of this world. Jesus has put something inside of us. Probably many things. And he wants us to uncover those. 
And these things will happen when we dig into the parables and we listen to what God is doing. All of a sudden, something will be unearthed inside of us. And we should see God really working and moving and, and, and moving out of our old lifestyle. Amen? I want to start with a story. There's a man who's bitten by a dog. Now, this dog and this man were several years back because there was no, um, there was no cure for rabies. This man gets bit by a dog. He goes to the doctor and he says, I'm sorry, sir, you have rabies. And, and, and you're showing the symptoms. He goes, you're basically going to die. So this man is bewildered. The first 24 hours, he's sitting in the doctor's office like, because of a dog bite, my life is going to change. He goes, I cannot believe it. I'm going to die because of a simple dog bite. How stupid. The first day, he's just bewildered. Can't go any, for, any farther than that. The next day, the doctor walks in and he sees the man and is feverishly writing on this pad of paper, all over the paper. And the, and the doctor comes in and he says, wow, I could see that you're getting your life in order. This is encouraging. Yesterday you were depressed. Today you're, you're getting your will and your life in order. And he goes, oh no, this isn't my will. This is the people I want to bite. <laughs> Thanks, I'm here all week, everybody. That might have been the best successful joke so far in the history of Journey. As we talk about forgiveness today, hopefully by the end of the message, you want to bite a a less people. Or hopefully, if you're open today, you'll open up your heart and you'll want to bite no one. Because we're going to talk about forgiveness and infinite forgiveness and how it can radically change our life. So today we're going to read the parable of the unforgiven slave, the unforgiving slave or servant, some of your definitions. I'm reading out of the uh, Holman's Christian Standard Version today because I think it has the best for us to understand it. This parable is sandwiched between church discipline. Now, if you've ever had to be disciplined at a church, a good pastor or a good council board or elders would go to Matthew 18, 15 to 20. That's conflict resolution. That's before this parable. And after it, in chapter 19 of Matthew, it talks about divorce and remarriage. Both of these, you need great forgiveness to make this work. If you've ever been disciplined at the church, and I have, you need forgiveness. Because it's a big part of it. If you've ever been divorced and need to be remarried, or if you're struggling in your marriage, you need to have forgiveness. So that you can move forward. And that's where this is. And so Jesus, in the middle of these two places, decides to teach a parable about forgiveness. Today we're going to read from the, uh, this great parable of the unforgiving slave or servant. Today there's two truths, though. There's two truths that we need to learn. And here's the first truth. And hopefully it's up on the screen. It says, no one needs your forgiveness as desperately as you need the forgiveness of God's. Right? That's a truth. There's no one in this room that needs your forgiveness as desperately as you need the forgiveness of God. Now, one of the things I've learned in the last week, I wish I would have learned it a couple of weeks ago because we started the series a couple of weeks ago, that as we go through the parables, it's in the details that we get greater meaning and better understanding. It's in the small details that we sometimes read. When I read stuff, sometimes I'm, I'm kind of like, I got to get this done because I got to be somewhere 10 minutes ago, right? So I'm reading But it's in the details that we see the parables really come to life and give us valuable lessons. And you will see that today. 
So if you're able to stand, if you'd like to stand, here's what we do at our church. We actually open up the Word of God, we read from it, and we stand as a continual place of worship and honor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Matthew 18.21, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus says, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wants to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle his accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, and his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell down, face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay, back, I will pay you back everything. Then the master of the slave then the master of the slave had compassion and released him and forgave him of the loan. That's the first part of this parable. So let's just pray. And I ask if you're here today, and I know forgiveness sometimes can be a tough topic because there's so much pain in our life. I just ask God to just open up your heart, maybe to a new place. Let's walk out of your change today. Amen. So as I pray, you pray, and we'll all be filled with the spirit and watch God do amazing things. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you for the forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing in all the fathers and all the families in this community. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you move in us? Will you show us your will and your way? And will you teach us something deep about forgiveness? But beyond teaching us, Lord, will you apply it to our lives so that we can be forgiven and remember that infinite forgiveness forever? We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's some of the details. We see this verse and the apostle Peter is coming up and he asks, he's asking a question. Something's going on. They've talked about church discipline and how to go through it. And Peter asks this question. He says in verse 21, Lord, how many times can, can my brother sin against me? And we don't know if it's his physical brother or just a brother in Christ. And how many times should I ask for forgiveness? Now, just a little back history. Back in the day, the rabbinic teaching or a teaching from a rabbi in the synagogue would say that the general term for forgiveness, if you came to your rabbi back in that day, would be three times. So it was very common knowledge that the, the leaders of the church would say it's three times that you need forgiveness. Three times and then beyond that. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but if anybody's ever had to forgive, three times is a lot. Let me say that again. Three times is a lot if you've ever really had to forgive anybody. Now, Peter is going, ah, I'm going to blow Jesus away right now. I'm going to say seven times. Three more plus one, seven's a holy number. I've been a disciple for almost three years. He's like, this is cool. He's going to be so excited because Jesus has taught me that I need to be even more righteous than a Pharisee or a leader of the time. He's like, it's got to be heaven because I'm really doing a lot more. So Peter comes to him and he's like, how many times? And he's thinking Jesus is going to pat him on the back and well done, you good and faithful servant. And Jesus blows him away as he does with us each and every week. And every time we open up his word, he really usually shocks us in a good way, fear and awe that allows us to grow closer to him. 
And he says, no, 70 times 7 or 77 times. If you're a Greek scholar, and I know at least one in here that has got some pretty good uh, understanding, the actual writing says 70 and then right next to the word says seven. It doesn't say 70 times seven. It just says 70 and seven. So we don't know if it's multiplication or addition. But that's not really the point. Your translation might say 70 times seven. The one that I read says 70 times seven. But in the Greek, it's just two words, 70 and seven. The point that Jesus is trying to say is 77 times or 490 times, it's infinite. I need you to learn to live a life of forgiveness. Don't worry about the numbers. It's way more than three and a lot more than seven. Now, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about my, you know, being in a relationship or a marriage with kids or wives or uh, uh, husbands and going, if I've been married for 10, 20, 30 years, how many times have they really had to forgive me? Really forgive me. It's really five, six, eight times, sometimes for the same thing multiple times, but 77 times over a lifetime is a lot. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about the number. It's infinite. It's far beyond that, 490 times. And the way that I always teach somebody, then do it again. Start it back over and start counting. But if, the point is this. Don't get into the counting and the, uh, and the wrongs and rights. Jesus is saying, just let it go and forgive and move on. Listen, um, I've got a new house and I fired the gardener because he cost money. I didn't know that. <laughs> he showed up one day and he says, you got to pay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the guys that sold my house didn't pay it out for a year like everything else is paid? Anyways, so as we talk about forgiveness, I want you to think about this. I've kinda, I, I, I'm pretty easy. I've got my girls mowing the front lawn. That's good. <laughs> And uh, we, we've pretty much forgotten everything out of the house. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this before, but this is actually a weed. Most of us have it in our neighborhood, and I've got some right here. I, I dug this out the other day, right there. See that one right here? And this is a weed. It looks like a plant. And if you let it go, it will destroy everything underneath. It's already killing my plum trees because I haven't let it go for four months. Because underneath this is a root system. This thing is half of what I brought out. If you get the bigger one that's got five or six of these, the thing is this, this big. The point there is this. A life of unforgiveness is this deep root inside your soul. And it starts growing out stuff and it starts destroying stuff inside your life. Maybe you've been offended many times in your life by other people. But that unforgiveness will grow stuff that won't help you. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach. Don't let these big roots of unforgiveness hold you back and watch these things grow out of you so that you really can't be right with God. Does that make sense? My garden's a little better this week, so. I got them everywhere, so I'm just, you know, hopefully I'll do more this week. Let's look, look at some more details. Now, when I read this story today, I didn't hear any wows. There was a moment that we all should have said, Whoa! But we didn't because we don't understand the detail. Verse 24, after Jesus has said how many times, 70 times 7, Jesus says, well, I'm going to tell you a parable about a king who goes and calls account to a slave. And in verse 24, we should say, wow. He says, when he began to settle his accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents, 
still no wells, was brought before him. Do you guys know how much a talent is? If you think about it, and I'm sure sometime this summer we'll talk about Matthew 25, where there's a place where a man goes on a journey and he leaves somebody with five talents, two talents, and one talent. Now you're like, well, what does that mean? That really doesn't sound like. This man owes 10,000 talents. Well, what is a talent? Here's some of the calculations today. One talent would be 6,000 days of work or 20 years. That's how one talent is. Today, back then, that one day's wage was a denarii. So that would be 6,000 denarii for one talent. 20 years of work. Now, we live way too long sometimes in our society today. Back then, if you could work 20 years, that was a long time. 20 years of work from like 13 to 33 or 43, that's a long time. This estimation of... 10,000 talents could be anywhere, depending on how you weigh silver and what the market value of silver is today, could be $6 billion to $12 billion in debt. This guy is a slave. He's not even a landowner that owns all of, of Pleasant Valley. He's actually one that works for the guy. He doesn't own a bunch of property. He's just one of the slaves. Maybe he's a, a, a rich slave, but he doesn't have the money to pay this back. Now, when you think about it, if anybody in here that's just a worker that makes $40,000, $50,000, even $200,000 a year, you know how long it would take you to pay that back? If you make $50,000 a year, it would take you 200,000 years to pay this back. And that's giving everything, keeping none for yourself. This man's debt is enormous. It's huge. And the point here is this. That it says in verse 25 that this man is so far in debt that the king knows, hey man, this guy can't even pay it back. Let's just sell him, put him in jail, sell his family and just settle it because he can't pay it back. This debt is humongous. So when Jesus talks about forgiveness in 70 times 7 or 77 times, he's like, I want you to forgive an infinite amount, but I'm going to forgive you an infinite amount because your debt is huger than you can ever imagine. Does that make sense? Your debt to him is 12 billion and you have to pay him everything for 200,000 years. So when you think about forgiveness, think about the infinite amount of forgiveness that you're given. If we sin every day, all day, which even though we have Jesus in us, we're still sinners. Striving to be saints because the Bible says I'm a saint in Jesus Christ. The details really make this stand out. Here's some more details. I've read this verse a ton of times. And I, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I, I kind of read it kind of numbly sometimes. And then verse 26, it says, At this the slave fell down before him and said, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. What does it say? It doesn't say, Forgive me, Lord, for who I am and what I've done. Forgive me, Master. It doesn't say any of that. The slave never even asked For forgiveness. He does what we do. He tries to muscle this. Be patient with me. Doesn't that sound like you? I'm late to work. Be patient with me. I'll get this right. 20 years later. I used to show up to work at my old job. I had a job back in the Silicon Valley. I would show up to work on time one day a week. And I used to want everybody to applaud me. 
And my boss is like, you need to get here every day. And you do it for a month, we'll applaud you one day, right? This servant doesn't even ask. He just says, let me muscle this. I'm going to work for the rest of my life and I'm going to start paying back this debt. Just be patient with me. That's interesting. Because the truth is, all he wants to do is be patient and kept out of jail or prison and not be sold. I don't know if I ever really read that. I always thought that he just asked for forgiveness. The truth is, he doesn't. But he receives something far greater. The master comes up and he says, Oh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to put you and your wife in jail. He's like, Thank you, Lord. Is that what it says? Thank you for not putting me in jail. Oh, Heavenly Father, what a blessing. I'm dancing around. No, he's not that. The master comes up and he says, I'm not going to put you. He says he had compassion, released him, and forgave his loan. Now, I don't know about you, but if that's me, I'm jumping up for joy. Hallelujah, I'm debt free, right? Till tomorrow, then I uh, buy something else, right? But that's not what happens here. The man is free. He's got this infinite debt that he never can be paid, and he's forgiven. But does it really have an impact in him? Does it really have an impact? Here's the second truth today. No one is unworthy of forgiveness from a sinner who has been forgiven. Let me say that again. No one is unworthy of forgiveness for a sinner who has been forgiven. I had to sit on that one for a little while. If you are a sinner and you have been forgiven, then you should be forgiving everybody. That's the point here. And that's the second truth. Now, here we see this slave. He's just been forgiven something huge in his life. And his response is verse 28. I'm going to read it from my text here. Verse 28 says, But when the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and started choking him and said, Pay me what you owe me. At this, the fellow slave fell down and begged, Be patient with me. And I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other slaves saw that it had taken place, they were deeply distressed. And they went and reported to their master everything that had happened. So after he's just had this epic moment, it's like coming to church and hearing a really funny joke. And then a great message on forgiveness. And walking out and getting in a fist fight at the topper's line. Jim, yeah, Jim Wolfrey's. Sue's hiding because she's done that several times in the last 20 years. You walk out of this place. You feel something. Something works inside of you and instantly you're back into your old life. We've got the signs back overcome by the blood of the lamb. They're back up. As you walk out of here, make sure you touch those victory signs as you walk. You guys want to turn around and look. Somebody had the guts to put them up again today. Those are victory signs that we're supposed to talk, walk and hit because we're a team that has great victory. But this man doesn't do, do it. He's forgotten. Look at the small amount of money this man owes. Now that you guys know what a talent is, right? This man owes a small amount. He owes a 
100 denarii. In today's wage, it's about $10,000. hundred days wage. Now, in America, there's a hun- uh, the average person can get $10,000 in credit. That's what the statistics say. 98% of everybody in America can get a credit card or a, a line of credit for about $10,000. Some of you got high credit. Some of us have low credit amounts. But on average, about $10,000. That means that if you had a $10,000 debt, you, you probably could get some money and probably pay it off. It's not that big a deal. Worst case scenario, 100 days of wage and you could pay that debt off. This guy's debt is really small. The second uh, slave is really small. But listen, in the details, he used the same exact language. He uses the same exact language. Be patient with me and I will work hard to pay you back. Be patient and I will work hard to pay you back. Now, those words were meant to trigger something inside of the first slave. Didn't you just say that an hour ago or three hours ago or five hours ago when you got forgiven of this huge debt? This debt said, this guy says, just be patient. I'll pay you back. He doesn't even say everything because the debt's really not that big a deal. $10,000 is a lot. Trust me, I can't, I can't pay that today. But for the most part, if I had to, that we, we could find a way. I mean, can we take an offering right now, by the way? It's <laughs> about the only way I could do it, by the way. But here's the point. The first slave misses the connection. The first slave misses the connection of what has happened to him. He went in and had this epic moment, probably the greatest pinnacle of his life besides marriage and maybe a kid being born. There's no greater thing that I've been forgiven $12 billion on a wage of $50,000. I'm free. And the truth is, as though this parable is on forgiveness, I think this is the most important part of the message that we forget too. We forget the connection that we have in our life. I believe this is the most important detail in this message because I know I come to church and I feel a message and I hear the grace of God and I try and stay close to that so that I never walk out realizing that I'm going to go into the world and forget who Jesus is by 1130 or 1.30. We forget so many times, and Jesus is pointing this out. Can't you just remember what just happened a few hours ago? But by Monday, nobody knows the sermon. And you don't really need to memorize or know a sermon to make it work. You need to be challenged to go, man, that was good. I should do something in my life that brings God more closer to me. Read, pray, go to small group, reach out to someone who's struggling. Stay connected and close. Don't forget what has happened. That's really what we see here. C.S. Lewis says this. Forgiveness is a beautiful world word until you have to forgive someone. Man, oh, my pastor, he was talking and walking and killing the message on forgiveness. It was a great theological message. But when something happens and you have to forgive. Well, I don't, ah, man. Someone stole my bubble gum at work. I don't really like the lady. It's going to be hard for me to forgive. And I know you guys' problems. I'm making light of it. But the truth is, forgiveness is this great theological word until you've been offended and you have to do it. Then it's this huge obstacle, right? 
A guy named Gary Enrig says this, Forgiveness is granted, it's not earned. Forgiveness is granted and not earned. You can't earn or work out of forgiveness, but many of us today, and this is what Jesus is pointing out, many of us today have have been offended by a family member, a friend, a church leader, and we want them to do some stuff, and then, oh, you're almost close enough for me to go and forgive you. But Gary writes, it's granted, it's not earned. If you're actually charging and waiting for someone to do some things, then you're really not forgiving. You're actually making them work for it. And now you're in contract, and it's no longer forgiveness. D.K. Chesterfield says his definition is pardoning the unpardonable. Pardoning the unpardonable. I am going to let this debt go. I'm going to let this and be a part of a place of forgiveness so that I can live out the rest of my life. This root system that we're trying to pull out today is not that you say, I believe and thank, thank the Almighty God for the life that I had and the way that I was raised or how I'm being treated in my marriage or how my kids are reacting. We're not accepting what happens. We're digging out roots so that you can live a better life and whole and right with God. And to do that and not forget out in the parking lot, you've got to dig out some big roots of unforgiveness. And this is only four months. Think about 20 years. 40 years. The root system in this thing will take over and nothing else will grow. And it's choked out. And D.K. Chesterfield says you need to pardon the unpardonable. That's what forgiveness is. It's infinite. Now I'm saying this, and I'm not saying this to hurt anybody because I know personally. I know there's a couple that are struggling right now with this topic. And I know because the people around us, the the people the closest to us are the ones that hurt us the most. Our spouses, our kids, our close relatives, siblings, best friends, church leaders. You know how many people are hurt by church leaders? A lot. I'm not trying to make this light. I just want you to know I understand. And some of you are struggling. I've struggled myself with forgiveness. That's why we talk about it a lot. But what do we do? How do we know we've really forgiven? Give him a second chance. And if you can't give him a second chance, go to the Lord and communicate that second chance with him. But you got to give a second. And for some of us, a third, a fourth, a fifth, that's what the text is saying. How many times should I forgive, Lord, Peter says? Seven times, please, not more than seven. And Jesus says, no, I want you to do it as much as you can. How do you know you're forgiven? A father has a kid, takes his car out, wrecks it. Didn't anybody ever done that in here, by the way? couple of people wrecked dad's car. Dad is frustrated. No, no, dad shows up and he goes and says, well, it's okay. That's why we have insurance. Everything's great. As long as you're okay. You ever heard that? A couple of weeks later, like, dad, can I borrow your car? No way. Get your mom's car. <laughs> you haven't forgiven, right? I don't want to deal with the insurance anymore. You go deal with your mom's car. 
that's how we know we give people other times. Let's kind of close this verse out. And, and I want to give you an analogy as we walk out of here today that I hope will help us. Verse 30, 32 says this. Then after he had summoned him, his master said, so uh, Jesus is telling the story. The slave has now been told on, and now he's getting called back into it. And he says, after he had summoned the master, you wicked slave, I forgave you that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow slaves as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Now, here's a tough verse. So, my heavenly Father will also do to you if you, each, if you each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. This is the tough verse. This is a tough verse, and I don't want to walk away from this. A couple of weeks ago, my friend Earl came up to me after the goat and sheep sermon, and he says, Can you lose your salvation? And, and, and I don't like to get into huge theological things on the pulpit, because I think it sometimes derails. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I, a couple of weeks ago we did this sermon. And, and, and Earl said this. And I said I don't think you can Earl. My heart says no. And the readings. And, and, and there's scriptures on both sides. And Earl says this. Will you do me a favor? And I said sure. He goes will you pray with me. That he will reveal that to my heart. And your heart over the next few weeks. I said oh that's a good idea. Let's do that. And so I pray. And, and, and I've been praying, Lord, will you show me something that makes sense that I could tell people that would be useful? And this week as I was uh, praying, I forgot about it. And I was just praying, Lord, do something. I was listening to a message. And this guy said something that really made it, made it work for me. And uh, my buddy Earl's been in the church about six months. We went to Israel together. If you guys want to go to Israel, let me know. Uh, it's going to be fun. We got 12 people going right now. It's going to be really cool. But here's what God spoke to me through this guy's sermon. He says this. Salvation is a free gift. It's been freely giving. How can you lose something that's been given to you freely that you can't pay for? How can you ever lose something that's 12 billion or 120 billion that you could never pay for in the first place? And I like that. And I know that there's scripture on both sides. But my heart says we can never lose salvation. And I like what this means because I can't give that. I can do nothing to earn that back. And I'm not afraid of this verse. I just don't want it to derail you. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. But I just want you to know that I believe God in this last verse is challenging us far beyond us losing salvation. He's like, do you have this connection of forgiveness in your heart so that you're going to walk away and God's going to do something in your life? Do you have this connection? That's what he's saying. Or are you going to be like that slave and have all this forgiveness given to you and you're going to walk out and be this unforgiving servant or slave or bondservant, as the text says in the New Bible? Here's the big question. Here's the big question. I'm going to invite the band back up as I give this big question. I want you to ask yourself Am I a forgiver? Am I a forgiver? Here's the third truth, and I don't have it up there, I'm sorry, but it says, Our debt to God is greater than anyone's debt to me. 
And the question that Jesus is trying to communicate, are you a forgiver? Do you believe in the foundation of who he is? Because the foundation of Christianity rests on this infinite forgiveness. And the question then becomes, are you a forgiver? Or do you walk out of here, tap the sign, and live an unforgiving life? Our debt to God is greater than anyone's debt to, to you. Think about your life right now and who has a debt to you. I want to close with this analogy. It's called the medicine analogy. And maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't before. There's a disease in the world and everybody's dying. It's, it's like the plague of the 1100s and 1200s, that dark time, I think maybe 1300, where there, everybody's dying. But there's a disease in the world. And God brings a cure. He says that everyone that takes this medicine will be healed. A hundred percent. That's grace. But nothing will happen if you take that cure. You come into church, you get the cure. And as you walk out, you don't tap the sign and you put it in your pocket. Because the truth is, for the medicine to work, it has to be internalized. And start doing something in your body. But if you put it in your pocket, you're still going to be sick and you're going to die. But God says, I've given you something. Forgiveness, grace, and mercy. And many of us come to the point where we put it in our pocket and never internalize it. And ultimately, we die a slow death in this world. Don't do that. Pull it out of your pocket and start forgiving And giving grace. The point of this parable of the unforgiving slave is this. The slave receives infinite amount of forgiveness. But he forgets to internalize it. And it does nothing to change him. He's received this infinite forgiveness. But he's taken the pill and he's put it in his pocket. If he really would have done it, he would have had an attitude of, Father, thank you. Master, you're so amazing. I don't even deserve this forgiveness. I am a wretch. I I can never pay this back, Lord. Thank you, Master. I humbly am so overwhelmed, but that's not what happens. But if the slave let that sink in, that mindset before he left, God would start to begin to transform him. And his attitudes would have been changed. His characters would have been changed. And as another slave would have came up and he owed him money, he would have said, forget it. You owe me nothing because I've been forgiven. I'm free. I'm debt free. Your debt means nothing to me. But the first slave didn't act like that. Sometimes we don't act like that. Sometimes we're stuck. And we just don't act. And God said, get your hands out of your pocket. Internalize this stuff so that you can be whole and right with him. God's power is working in all of us right now. The question is, did, did, this, did this guy receive God's grace and forgiveness? Yes and no. The question is to you today, have you received God's grace and forgiveness? For many of us, we would say yes and an amen, but some of us were saying yes and no. Let me explain. This slave, yes, in the sense that he was forgiven and his debt was 100% paid. 
That made no sense. But no in the sense that he put it in his pocket and there was nothing that happened to him when he walked out of that room. No forgiveness to anyone else, even though he was bestowed the greatest forgiveness. He was still a selfish person. Full of uh, his mind not changing, his heart not changing. He didn't internalize it and put it in the system. And that's what God wants us to do today. We need to make a response to God, an appropriate response. And our response is to take that medicine. Because that disease is sin. And put in the grace and forgiveness of God. And internalize it. And watch your life be radically changed. Do you believe that today? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today. As there's so much pain. There's so many places that we need forgiveness, Father. And so many places that we ask for you to work inside of us. So that we can learn to forgive those that are near us, that have hurt us. But Father, we know that your forgiveness is infinite. And your love and grace is so much greater than anything in this world. World, Lord, you are our truth. Anoint us today and bless us. As we celebrate this Father's Day. Lord, if there is someone here that needs a fresh start, a new life. That new life comes through Jesus Christ. You become born again by asking Christ into your heart. If you're here today and you need that. Join me in this prayer. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and my soul. So that I can be freely forgiven. I know that you died and you rose again so that I may have everlasting life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me how to walk the rest of my days in you and with you being forgiven. And always remembering what forgiveness is. Bless this day. And let this Father's Day be a blessing to me forever and always. Amen. As we worship today, I pray that you walk out here, out of here, and you want to bite less people. And as you walk out of here, I want you to put your hand upon that sign because we are all victorious in Jesus Christ. Let's worship him.